And the teaching text for today is in Ephesians 6, 10 to 15. It's about putting on the readiness of the gospel of peace. So finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you can take your stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for the word you have for us today. We just pray that our ears are open to hear what you have to say and our hearts are, are available to receive your message. And God, we pray over Josh today as he preaches your message and your word for us that you guide him in that message and guide us to receive. We love you, Father God. Amen. Good morning. Am I through? Okay, good. Great to be here. I loved our worship this morning. I'm going to move this just a bit. So I have more room to move around. Okay. We're going through a series on a very well-known passage in Ephesians 6. It is the armor of God. And super excited about this morning's message. As we were singing this morning, uh, I too, like Jason, I love the song, A Mighty Fortress. The lines that says, uh, the, the verse that says, um, the prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. Um, one little word shall fell him. It makes me think about that passage in Second Thessalonians where it says that Christ will come and he will slay the enemy with the breath of his mouth. One little word will utterly destroy him. But in the meantime, we are in a battle. And um, one encouraging thing, I had someone come down and visit with me after, after worship just a moment ago and, and said, it felt like the Lord said during worship he, that he, he died to set us free and he rose again to give us life. And he has. And so there is hope in the battle that we're in. Uh, today I want to talk about, we're going to talk about peace. I don't know about you, but um, to me a message about peace always seems relevant. It's never an irrelevant topic. Think about the turmoil in our, in our world, in our country, and even think about the turmoil in your own home or in the life that you're living. Um, here's some headlines from the last month or so. ISIS is terrorizing Syria and Iraq, causing thousands to flee from their homes, tens of thousands to flee from their homes and countries. There's, it just seems like this constant threat of war in the Middle East. Is Iran going to, they want to vaporize Israel. Is Israel going to attack them? Just this constant threat of war. I don't know who's, if, if any of you saw this last week, there's a, there's a um, religious pilgrimage in, um, in Mecca this time of year called the Hajj. Just this week, there were over two, 2 million Muslims there and 700 were, were killed in a stampede. 
there's increasing polarization in our country based on all kinds of different things, politics and religion and ethnicity and race. There are rumblings of race wars in large cities in our country. The Planned Parenthood scandal just last week or maybe a week and a half ago, there was this Twitter event where people could shout their abortion proudly and loudly for all the world to see and know that they were not ashamed to have an abortion. All of these things, not to mention uh, the 10 or a dozen or a hundred garden variety or run-of-the-mill kinds of stresses and troubles, real stresses and real troubles that you face on a daily basis. A message about peace is always relevant. Our passage says that we are strong in the Lord when we have the Lord's peace. And we are, by consequence of deduction, we are weak when we don't have the Lord's peace. So here's our verse. As shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Let me say that again. As shoes for, this is the one verse we're going to focus on. As shoes for your feet, having put on readiness given by the gospel of peace. So like we're putting shoes on. Because we're going to go somewhere. And the shoes we're putting on is called the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Remember earlier in this passage, I think it's verse 11, it talks about the schemes of the devil. You guys remember that, those words? He has strategies against you. <clears throat> the devil has strategies against you. Here's a couple of strategies he has. One is to keep you in constant turmoil internally <clears throat> constant turmoil or constant turmoil internally with the nagging maybe subconscious but nagging thought in your mind am i okay with god <clears throat> are things okay between god and me is he on my side or not and another strategy is Constant anxieties and strife externally concerning people and circumstances. The uh, Anxiety and Depression Association of America estimates that 40 million American adults struggle with anxiety disorder. 40 million. That's huge. 18% of the adult population. Now, I'm assuming that's not counting someone like me who struggles with anxiety from time to time, but someone who's probably been diagnosed or clinically shown that they have some kind of disorder. And I'm not, I'm not, ta- I'm not trying to get into the validity of that or not. That's just their stats. So that's massive. My guess is that there are some here today that you are in that boat. You struggle with anxieties and fears and stresses just seem to overwhelm you. And so you and I are to put on as shoes the readiness given by the gospel of peace. The answer to all of these conflicts within, to all of these stresses and anxieties without, is the gospel of peace. It is the peace that comes down from above, from God, from heaven above and lands on us, and makes a real substantial 
difference and transformation in our life. Here's the big idea. Here's where we're going this morning. Here's what I want you to leave with. The gospel of peace makes us ready peacemakers in a world of conflict with evil. Let me say that again. This is what I want you to leave with this morning. And, And I don't want you just to leave remembering this phrase, but getting this in you. The gospel of peace makes us ready peacemakers in a world that is run through with conflict and evil. So the gospel of peace, whatever that is, we're going to unpack that. Whatever that is, though, produces something in us. It gives us something. And it produces, what it produces is a readiness to be an instrument of peace in a world where there is a huge deficit of peace. So two questions I want to answer this morning. What is the gospel of peace? One and two, how does it make us ready peacemakers in this world of conflict and evil? So number one, what is the gospel of peace? Have you ever thought and considered the sweeping and massive statements about peace the Bible gives us? It points to Jesus as the coming one who is going to bring worldwide peace. In a very well-known prophecy that is spoken and recited around Christmas time, Isaiah 9-7, it says, He shall be called, this Messiah shall be called, among other things, the Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. Let me ask you, has it come to you? Of the increase of this Messiah's government and of peace, there will be no end. It will go on and on and on and on. There will be no end in sight. I love the story of Christ coming down that first Christmas, the night he was born. Rather than heaven invading earth with war and violence because of sin, right? Angels invade earth, and they announce something amazing. They announce, glory to God in the highest, this Messiah has come. It's glory to God in the highest and on earth. Do you guys know what it says? Peace. Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth. You might be thinking, okay, this sounds great, but how does this work for me today? I am stressed. I have troubles. I have difficulties. My heart is full of conflict and trouble. Have you ever had a relationship in which there was such peace? Have you ever had a relationship with somebody where there was such peace? You could go to that person. You could share your entire heart with them. You could totally unburden yourself in their presence and not be turned away at all, be only welcomed and warmly received. Do you have anyone like that in your life? Have you ever? God wants you to have that kind of relationship with him. Where you're not wondering, is it okay for me to come? Am I going to be received? Is he mad at me? Is he going to strike me down? Have I done enough good today? 
all these things that are going on in my life, I'm not sure he's even on my side. God wants you to know. He wants you to have the kind of relationship with him where there's such peace, such tranquility, such inner sense of uh, respite and peace that you can come to him and totally unburden yourself in his presence in utter safety. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 to 22, shows us what, how this gospel of peace brings us to this place where we can know God as this kind of God. And if you've grown up in the church at all like me, I grew up in the church, and so I know lots of catchphrases. I know lots of Christian mantras. I'm talking about peace coming down from heaven, landing on you like a ton of bricks, not flattening you and killing you, but you know what I'm saying, just landing on you and it makes such a difference, such an impact on your life. Ephesians 2, 11 through 22 gives us a beautiful portrait of the gospel of peace that is meant to wash over us and bring renewal to our hearts. Ephesians 2, verses 11 and 12. I'm not going to go through. I'm just going to kind of pick out phrases. It says, Paul says, Remember that at one time you were separated from Christ. You were alienated from the covenants and blessings of God. You were without hope and without God in the world. That sounds pretty bad, right? Alienated from Christ, had no blessings, no covenant from God. We were without hope and without God in the world. And I wonder if there's, I wonder if there's someone here today, that's what you feel like right now. That's exactly what you feel like right now. You can say the right things, but, but in your heart, Jesus seems far away. Hope seems far away. God seems very distant. Listen to what it says, verse 13 and 14. But now... You who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. You who once were far off and alienated from Christ and far from God and you had no hope in the world, you've been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. Verse 14, the very first phrase says this, because Jesus himself is our peace. Because he himself is our peace. The gospel of peace what we're talking about this morning, is the good news that God has done through our Lord Jesus Christ everything necessary to bring you and I near to his heart on the terms of total and complete peace. He has removed Sin, he has removed the enmity in our hearts. He has removed the hostility in his heart against our sin. He has removed all of this and he's brought us near. Now, peace with God is not good news if it only removes his anger from us, but doesn't open us up to his massive heart of grace and love to us. But that's exactly what it does. He opens up his heart to us and he says, come close. And he brings us close through the blood of Jesus Christ. And since our peace is the Lord Jesus Christ himself, it is as strong and as durable as Christ 
himself is. So the gospel of peace radically changes our relationship with God. It radically changes things vertically with us and God. There's, a, there's a, one of the um, psalm, I think it's chapter 7. It says, God, I'm paraphrasing, but it says, God is angry with the wicked every day. For those who are in Christ... He's not angry with us any longer. He loves us. He brings us close. There is utter and complete and absolute and perfect peace. This inner conflict, this inner turmoil, wondering, are things okay between God and I? We need to look to the cross for our answer. We don't want to listen to the voice of the enemy who wants to tell us, no, it's not. You're a rotten scoundrel and God hates you. We look to the cross and we say, yes, through Christ, there is peace with God in heaven. The gospel of peace doesn't just radically change our relationship vertically with God, though, though though that is supremely important. It also changes our relationships horizontally. Remember what I said earlier about the schemes of the devil. One is to keep us in this constant place of inner turmoil, wondering if things are okay with God and I. And the other is to keep us in this constant place of angst and stress and strife with circumstances and people. The gospel of peace radically changes our relationships with other people. Back to Ephesians 2, where Paul explains this for us. In verses 14 to 18, he says things like this. God, through Christ, has broken down the wall of hostility Between Jew and Gentile, he makes one new man. He reconciles Jew and Gentile both to God. He kills the hostility between Jew and Gentile. So therefore, we both have access to God in one spirit. Now, obviously, Paul's immediate concern is to reconcile and talk about how God has brought Jew and Gentile both to himself through Christ But you and I need to understand, this is no small thing. For the Jewish people to be told that Jesus has demolished any any and all dividing walls between them and the rest of the nations of the world was huge, right? They thought they were the people of God, that they had this special relationship with God, and in the Old Testament, they certainly did. But Jesus came to save people from every nation, tribe, and tongue, and he opened up his massive heart to all nations, And so for the Jewish people to realize all nations are brought into this amazing message of good news was a huge thing. And so God broke down the dividing walls. There's some oral traditions that kind of surround the Old Testament. And um, rabbis tell us in the oral traditions that for a Jewish person to even enter into the dwelling place, into the home of a Gentile, would make them unclean. And the gospel says, through Jesus Christ, all of that has been torn down. If the divisions and schisms and hostilities between Jew and Gentile have been put to death in the death of Jesus, then every other artificial wall that you and I construct 
must come down as well. Every single one of them. The walls that we build based on race, ethnicity, social status, personality, preferences, tastes, past or present offenses, they're demonic and they need to come down. If Jesus Christ has died on the cross to purchase our peace with God and peace amongst each other, what are we doing building these walls? They need to come down. So what keeps you from walking in peace with others? Must Jesus do more than he's already done? Here's the thing. God intends for the reality of the gospel of peace, not a theory, not a theory, but the reality of it to help bolster our emotional capacity and cast its vast and glorious shadow over all of our lives and inform our thinking and our affections for the rest of our time on earth. Now, I know some might be thinking right now, it's just too simplistic, Josh, for you to say that the peace with God that you're talking about solves all of our problems. Are you wondering that? I have real problems. I have real trouble. Are you just saying that this just kind of magically solves all of our problems? Well, first, I didn't say it would solve all of our problems. But I believe it can be so pervasive that it outshines a thousand other problems combined. I believe the peace of God through Christ and the gospel of peace can be so pervasive in our lives that it outshines a thousand troubles that we have. And you could name them, and so could I. It outshines all of them combined. Let me give you an example. Um, Let's say today you have six things seriously infringing on your peace. Okay? Six things, I mean, seriously pinching you, pushing you into a corner, infringing on your peace. Number one, you have a busy day with work and running kids around to activities. You have multiple kids, they're in sports, they're in dance, they're in music, whatever. And you work today, it's a busy day. Man, that feels stressful. Number two, you have company coming over tonight and your house is a mess. Ever been there? Can be kind of stressful, can it? Okay, number three, you, ha- you're having, you are in the middle of an unresolved disagreement. Let's just call it a fight with your spouse. Unresolved. Still need to work through some things. Number four, you got an unexpected medical bill for $750 in the mail. You didn't think you ha- had to pay, but it came in the mail and you got to pay it. And you're not sure exactly how you're going to do it. Number five, the check engine light just came on in your car. two weeks ago, both my cars, check engine light was on. And I am not good with cars, okay? So, and number six, oh yeah, one more. Number six, you owe the IRS $1 million. (laughs) And they're coming to collect today. Oh yeah, and if you don't have the money, they're taking you to jail for 10 years. Okay? Okay? Six things, really pinching you. Now, let's say you're 
sitting down at the, at the end of your day, you, night's busy, you got to clean the house, company coming, all this stuff, okay? And the doorbell rings, and you're thinking, IRS, oh my goodness. It's not the IRS, it's Federal Express, and they have an envelope for you. And you open the envelope, and it's a receipt saying that the $1 million you owe the IRS has been paid for you in full. You, you look at it, you're like, what? And it says, balance, remaining balance, zero dollars, zero cents. In that moment, all the other five things causing you stress seem really small, don't they? Are you with me? You guys don't agree with me? The check engine light, I mean, you still got to deal with it, but my goodness, it's nothing. Company's coming over tonight. Man, the heck with the house. I'm not going to clean. I'm going to celebrate for a while. Still got to take kids to their activities, right? Still got to pay that $750 bill. Not sure how you're going to do that. But your debt of $1 million is gone. What God has done in Christ for you and I is 10 million times Bigger than that. Thank you. What God has done for you in Christ is so enormous. So huge. If you and I could get a glimpse of the weight of our sin against God. And get a sense of it. I was, I was reading uh, history about the time of the Reformation. And um, <clears throat> Martin Luther was a, before he became a Christian, he was a, <laughs> some of you might have a problem with that. But he was okay. He was a, he was a, he was a monk in a monastery. And, um, and he would spend hours confessing his sin to a priest. And I was reading this guy who was recalling that. And he said, many modern Christians today would say, why does he spend so much time? My goodness, I can do that in 30 seconds. And the person that wrote this article was just saying, it shows that we don't have a sense of the gravity of our sin against God. Because if we did, And then we came face to face with the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ where it was all wiped away. And the judgment of God that was hovering over our lives was taken by Jesus on the cross so that you and I face it no more. Then we would see, wow, my debt has been wiped clean. The check engine light, big deal. $750, I'm not sure I'm going to do it, but my goodness, I have peace with Almighty God. All those whispers, the devil trying to convince us things are not okay, and these other things are huge and massive, just are wiped away. I mean, I don't want to say they're magically wiped away, but they are to be outshined by the glory of what God has done for us in Christ. We are not talking about some theoretical peace, right? 
you get that, back to the analogy above, you get that envelope in the mail, your debt's wiped away, $1 million. You're not going to jail anymore for 10 years. What comes upon you is not a theory of peace. You're not like, huh, this should make me feel peaceful. It just washes over you. What we need is not a theoretical peace. I don't know about you. I know my sin and my guilt and my troubles are not theoretical. They are real. And so I don't need a theoretical peace. I need a real peace. I love what Jesus says in John 14 and John 16. And in these verses, I don't think Jesus is being unrealistic at all. I think he wants to touch us deep within with his peace. He says this in John 14, 27. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. He says, peace I leave with you. I'm leaving. Peace I leave with you. And then he says, my peace I give to you. It's his very peace that he gives to us. I think that's, I think that's amazing. He doesn't just kind of sprinkle peace down upon us a little bit. He says, I am going to put my peace in you. So the peace that we can experience through the gospel of peace is the very peace of Jesus participating in his very peace that he has enjoyed for all eternity. John 16.33 says this, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. Take a deep breath. Let's say that again. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus wants to give us his peace. He wants us to know this peace that is not the absent of problems or the absent of responsibility or the absent of troubles or the absent of suffering or the absent of loss. It's not that. It is the kind of peace that enabled Jesus to be sleeping in the bow of the boat while his disciples were freaking out. Right? You guys know that story? They're going across the Sea of Galilee. The big windstorm comes up, which is happened often then and uh, the waves are coming over the boat the side of the boat and they think they're going down and they go down and they say jesus don't you care about us we are drowning and jesus just gets up and rebukes the wind and waves it all comes down and he looks at them and says where's your faith saint augustine 1,600 years ago, said in a prayer to God, and it's written in the book of his book, Confessions, he says, um, praying to God, our Father, we were made for you, and our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. <clears throat> as long as we're trying to find rest in other things, circumstances, or other people, we will be restless So the gospel of peace makes us ready peacemakers in a world of conflict. The gospel of peace, has it come to you? When it comes to us, when it lands on us, when it just 
when it hits us with great force, it makes us ready peacemakers. Remember our verse, we're to put on as shoes the readiness given by the gospel of peace. So the gospel of peace supplies us with readiness. I I found that really interesting. We are not told to put peace on like, like shoes. We're told to put readiness on our feet like shoes. Readiness that comes to us that we are given by the gospel of peace. So the gospel of peace produces in us readiness. It produces in those who receive it readiness that moves them to do something. When peace comes to us through the gospel of peace, it should not reach a dead end. It's not meant to come to us and just reach a dead end at us. Okay? It's meant to make us ready peacemakers. We're to put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Um, Francis Schaeffer, in his book entitled, How Should We Now Live? He talks about the modern sin of an impoverished value of personal peace. And what he means by that is it's this kind of peace where we want to be undisturbed by what is going on across the world and across the street. We just want kind of our little corner of peace. Just leave me alone. I just want peace. Right? Personal peace. That goes no further. It just, we receive peace and it just kind of, it just ends there. But when the gospel of of peace lands on us. Not a theory of peace, but peace that's experienced, the very peace of Christ. It does not move you and I into a formation of retreat from a messy world of conflict and evil, but it moves us toward it as peacemakers. When peace comes to us, it doesn't move us in retreat. Right? My personal peace. But it moves us, it changes us internally and moves us toward a messy world of conflict and evil, ready to be a peacemaker. Paul, in this verse here, Ephesians 6.15, probably has had Isaiah 52.7 in mind. Isaiah 52.7 says this, How beautiful On the mountains are the feet of the one who brings good news, who publishes peace, who says to Zion, your God reigns. I want to end this morning by asking three questions. First, do you know the gospel of peace? Do you know the peace that the gospel offers? The good news of what God has done through Jesus Christ. Do you know that? For some here this morning, that's where you need to start. What is the grounds upon which you and God are at peace? 
Is it somehow dependent upon how good you are? On your circumstances? On how your day or week or last 10 minutes has gone? Is it on the outlook of your future? Is it on any of those things? Then I question very seriously whether you know the gospel of peace. Peace is offered to us through Jesus Christ alone. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, having been justified through faith in Jesus Christ, we have peace with God. Do you know the gospel of peace? Question number two, have you received God's terms of peace with you? It's one thing to know it in theory. It's one thing to have a theoretical understanding or even a right theological understanding. But have you received God's terms of peace with you? The good news of God's peace is glorious news, but it must be received. Must be received. We must must be receptive to it and open ourselves up to it as God enables us to and gives us grace to say, yes, I need that. I need that. Colossians 3.15 says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. The word let it communicates, let it, right? Receive it. Open yourself up to it, to the peace of Christ, to rule in your hearts. Notice it doesn't say, let the peace of Christ be present as one voice among many. It doesn't say, let the peace of Christ be a calming influence from time to time. It says, let the peace of Christ rule like a king in your heart. You must receive it and rely moment by moment on the Lord. I read, uh, I have this Puritan prayer book called um, Valley of Vision. In one of the prayers, I love this line. It says, I have cast my anchor in the port of peace because I know that present and future are held in nail-pierced hands. Have you done that? Have you cast your anchor? Have you, have you deliberately opened yourself up and received the peace that God extends to you, that God says, come, come, partake of this peace. It is, it is welcome for all to come and taste of its beauty and glory. Question number three. Do you sense God's desire for his peace to spread to more and more people through you? There is simply no other way to experience the peace that God offers us in the gospel and not be changed. It's not a matter of you and I being told that we must do this or that or the other thing, but of seeing clearly just what God has done for us in Christ and having that take hold of our hearts and change us. God has given us peace through Christ freely and completely. We have become peace and we become peacemakers, his instruments to spread peace to others because of what he has done. It's similar to 1 John 4 that says, We love because he first loved us. I think we could say, 
we spread peace because peace has massively come to us. Imagine, um, imagine you and I are meeting for coffee sometime. Better yet, okay, imagine we show up on Sunday morning. Luke's doing worship. Luke and the worship team are doing worship. I'm supposed to get up and preach. They're done with worship. The teaching time starts, and I'm not here. And I show up five minutes late, and I say, guys, you would never guess what happened. I'm sorry I'm late. Let me tell you what happened. I was on my way to church. I got a flat tire in my car on the side of the road, changing my flat tire, and one of my lug nuts rolled out into the street. I went out to get it, heard this loud horn honking at me. I turned around, and all of a sudden, a big Mack truck nails me. It hits me. I go flying 30 yards. The truck runs over me. I, you know, listen, I went back, changed my tire, and I'm here. I'm sorry I'm late, but that's what happened. You would say, you're lying. I don't buy it. Not for a second. You would look different. You would sound different. You would be walking differently. You'd even smell different. Brothers and sisters, when the gospel of peace hits us like a Mack truck or lands on us like a meteor big rock, we will look different. We'll walk different. We'll talk different. We won't have these these constant inner struggles wondering what God thinks of me. We will know. It's been settled once for all on the cross and he himself, Christ himself, is my peace. How can we be drilled with the gospel of peace and be constantly in strife with other people? We can't. We can't. I'm not saying it won't ever happen, but I'm saying a life of struggle and strife and fighting and bitterness and it just, it can't happen. It's impossible. Just like if I get hit by a Mack truck, you'd say, no way. (laughs) I might see your body laying out in the street flattened like a pancake, but you wouldn't be standing here like this. How can we experience a peace like this and still live in strife and fighting? How could we refuse to forgive? How could we refuse to love? How could we refuse to extend the peace that has come to us? Well, you know, don't you, people in your life that know nothing of the peace of God, don't you? Don't you? They know nothing of the salvation that God has offered them, this gospel of peace by which they can 
have peace with God? Be a peacemaker and go and tell them. You know, others who have walked away from God or just not walking with the Lord, whether they know him or not, we can't make that final judgment call, but it just seems like they are not walking with Jesus at all. What do we do? We want to be ready peacemakers, right? We want to see that, the messiness of it, and, and go toward it. Move toward it. Here's what it looked like in my life this last week. Nothing major, but just trying to think, Lord, what, what does this look like? I, I have a friend who is estranged from me and from the Lord. I, I think from the Lord. I haven't talked to him for a long time. He probably doesn't want to talk to me. I reached out to him this week. Asked if we could get together. That's what it looks like. We don't move away from that because the peace of Christ has come to us in the gospel. We move toward that. We don't say, you know what? That's messy. That might mess with my weekend. I just kind of want some peace this weekend. I mean, I mean, who doesn't want that, right? Who doesn't? We need it sometimes. But we are called to be ready peacemakers in a world full of strife and evil And the gospel of peace makes us ready to do that. So here's what we pray. God, as you have poured out such peace upon me, I will be a peacemaker. Let's pray. God, that's what we say this morning. God, you have been so merciful and kind to us. Lord, often I, when, I, when I have a mind to think about it, I am like the psalmist who says, if you kept a record of sin, who could stand? And I think if you kept a record of my sin the last week, I wouldn't stand. But with you, there's forgiveness. God, you offer us such massive, glorious peace, that we can come right into your heart. And the devil wants to tell us that we can't, and he wants to stir up strife and division and doubts and fears and anxieties all over the place. God, would you just come down by the power of your spirit and speak this message, the gospel of peace over our souls afresh today. And we just say, God, you have given us this enormous peace. We will be peacemakers. And God, show us what that looks like. Show us, show us where we go. Show us who we extend that to. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. You're dismissed.